What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We're now on Amazon Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro and this is Ryan Coolot. What is up everyone? Hope another great week was had for you. Mike and I are, are, we got an interesting episode for you. We got an opportunity to go up and play Rock Spring. So we're going to talk about that, uh, give you our course rating and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then on the back end, we have Milan Dobedel as our interview for this week. Milan's an absolute stud. He, he just won uh, recently, within the last few weeks, the Ike Tournament. So we got an interesting interview with him coming up uh, as well. But before we get to all that, want to just remind everybody to head over to flukeapparelco.com. Check out our polos. Uh, they're, they're really doing well, Mike. I mean, we got on the Corn Ferry Tour out in Illinois. We had ours on when we went up to Crystal Springs. They, they look great. They feel great. We've talked about it already. They're a little tight, a little snug if you're someone of my size. Um, you want to go size up, you know, they, they're just that form fitting kind of clingy, um, material. It's great material. Uh, it looks good. It feels good. But if, if you're, if you're someone who has some body imperfections, we'll call it, you, you're, you want to, uh, you're going to want to size up there. So, um, so again, flukeapparelco.com, make sure you go check them out and, uh, and enjoy a wonderful polo. Yeah, big time shout out to Chris Swartz. Uh, Chris caddies on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, caddies for Chad Tootin. Now, Chad is a f- stud out there, um, and, and Chris has been on his bag all, all year. And, you know, Chris has been following, listening along, and loves what we do. He purchased a polo, and, you know, him and I were DMing yesterday, and obviously this is coming out Wednesday. So, you know, today's, today's Sunday for us, but, you know, he wore it out there and it was, it was always cool to see that going on and to see other people outside, you know, the garden state wearing it, promoting it, speaking so highly of it. Um, I think again, just kind of justifies things that you and I have been saying from, from the very beginning with, with the polo. So, so go check those out there. It's, it's must have there. It's, it's great material. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So, Rob, before we get into a little recap of the state open, I, I do want to toss this out there. I know I made a little video on Instagram, and I, and I put this out over the weekend. Um, but I do want to say thank you to everybody that has followed, that's listened, that has subscribed. 
um, because we officially reached the 100 five, we have exactly 105.0 ratings on Spotify. Um, so for everybody that's listened, that's followed, like again, we can't thank you guys enough. But if you haven't, and you can, we'd love for you guys to click that follow button on Spotify. Toss us a five point rating. You know those little things for us helps us tremendously. So again, go over to Spotify, click that follow button, toss us a five point rating, and again, um, helps us you know continue to get the good word out there about golfing here in the Garden State. Now let's get into the state open recap because I think, you know, we had a lot of dudes on that leaderboard. And I think when you and I looked at that leaderboard and we saw our boy Nick Bova, you know, <laughs> leading, leading, and then tied with one hole to go. Um, I thought we actually, you know, you know, caught lightning in a bottle a little bit with that pick. You know, we both kind of came out of nowhere with it. No, no real reasoning. Um <laughs> You know, but but credit. Oh, he's you our gotta, guy. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but you got to give credit to to Brent Palladino. I mean, coming out there in that final round, firing sixty five is tough to beat. You know, I, I you know, and it's not even like Nick played poorly in that last round. He shot sixty nine. Um, you know, he just had a little blunder there on eighteen that kind of that kind of cost him. But. Um, you know, Jack Simon had a huge bounce back week after what happened at the State Am, finishing tied for third. Our boy Troy Venucci was right there, tied for third, had a big time chance. And probably the hometown hero of this one, Thomas O'Neill, you know, Hackensack Golf Club, right where the tournament was held at, you know, club champion there, um, made a good run as well. So, again, that leaderboard from top to bottom was loaded. Um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to get Brent on the show to, to talk about his victory and even reach out to Nick to see if we can get him on to talk about, you know, his experience. And I, and I know that it may be a little tougher for Nick to talk about it, um, but I think that'd be a cool perspective to hear, you know, what he thought coming down the stretch and, and ultimately like the nerves that we talk about a lot, you know, like he's he sits right there in that in that boat as well. So, um Again, I, I again a lot of the guys that I talked to spoke so highly of Hackensack Golf Club. Um, the course was in great shape. Um, those were some low, low numbers. If you saw all the red that was being produced that week, it was, it it, it really was. And and I want to go back to what you said about Nick. Like just because Nick's a pro, playing in a tournament that's open to amateurs, you know, an open tournament, he's still human as well. He's still going to have nerves. He's still going to be. You know, he's still leading the tournament and, and has to go to sleep on a lead. He was leading going into the final round, correct? So he's got to go to bed with a lead, so he's got to think about that. He, he's, that's, not just, that's not just amateur person problems or that's not just PGA professional problems. That's, you know, he's human. Those are going to be human, um, human things that are going to happen. He's going to get nervous and... And gonna get tighter. Gonna have to deal with all of those things that we all know that that come with that. So that would be again. Hopefully he hopefully he does want to come on and at least share a little bit of it. Um, you know, it's tough. I, I, neither of us want to want to tear off band aids or rip off scars <laughs> that are that are happening. But um, but that would that would be great. And, and like you said, congratulations to Brent on on. 65 in a final round again on the flip side talking about those those nerves those you know the the feeling that you get to be able to get that done 65 is a 
is incredible. I mean, there's a huge difference between 65, playing with your friends, having some cocktails, maybe even wearing sandals, and just like going out there, having fun with the fellas, to firing it in the final round of the state open is those are two vastly different rounds. So good for him. Congratulations yeah, to you. Dude, guys. he shot a 65 with eight birdies. Yeah, I mean, so that I mean that's 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 legit golfing, nonetheless. In the final round, you know, with that pressure on, you're that far back. You know, you got to you know make magic happen more or less. And you know, due to some scheduling issues with us and, and Brent, we weren't able to get him on. But you know, he will. You know, and he's mentioned to me multiple times. He's he's more than welcome to more than happy to come on the show, talk about the win, talk about the tournament. So, you know, we'll we'll get Brent on in the near future as well. For sure. All County Exteriors is a third-generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top-quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. All right, Mike, let's uh, let's get into something else here. We got our round. We got a round at Rock Spring. We went up there. Um, it's one of the courses we've said we've wanted to go to. An early Seth Rayner course that became public in West Orange, and you know, not a not a private spot. It's it's one of the spots we've talked about. It was in our twenty one counties. It was in our March Madness. So we took the trip up, got on, played the course, had a nice little nice little swing, nice little day. Um, let's uh, let's 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 talk about it here. It's a really beautiful spot. You don't get a whole lot of like city type courses, and, and West Orange is you know big area. Mike, what'd you what'd you think of the course? Let's let's talk about it here. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think you know you and I have said this way back in in gosh maybe like Decemberish when this is a spot that's high on our list to get to, and and like we've been saying, like we're gonna try our best to get out and travel as much as we can, see as many of these golf courses, and and this being one of the two public golf courses designed by Seth Rayner and it's thankfully right here in New Jersey was like a no-brainer it was just a matter of time before you and I were able to coordinate a schedule to get up there and play and uh, listen I was blown away with how nice of a public golf course this was now it was on the rather expensive side so if people are looking at numbers like it was like 115 bucks or so 120 bucks now again some people may say that's a little high but i feel like nowadays golf is always a hundred dollars like it just that's the that's the number and if you get it for less you got a good deal and if you got it for more it better be worth it so to me you know like the ability to go up there to play it seth rayner i mean no offense rock spring has hosted 
four New Jersey State Opens. So it's not like this is just some run-of-the-mill public golf course. Like This place was really, really nice. And the fact that we got to go and experience it. Listen, I, you know, shout out to Ted. He was the guy that we played with from yeah. the area. Um, every time we stepped on a tee, we'd ask him, like, what about this hole? What about that? Um, and, and Ted was so kind in, in helping us navigate that golf course if we had any set, any sort of questions. Um, but I thought it was a really nice golf course. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know particularly – um, I had many bad things to say about it. You know, I could see like at one point, you know, it had some old features to it, which was really cool. It had some newer features that I thought were like definitely somewhat interesting. Um, but it was just, a, it was just an all in all, like a top level public golf course. Like, I, I don't know if I could really say many other things, but like, it's another one of those spots that like you, the views of some of the holes were just like, unreal i know it's like just outside the city in terms of like where it is um i know that it was private that turned public back in 2019 um and i can see why so many people in that area flock to that golf course for sure i I truly can yeah it was really good i I, um before we kind of get into the course i i did my course rating for it how would you compare it to hominy hill I think it was nicer than Hominy Hill. By a lot or by a little? By a little. Okay. Which is exactly what I have. Yeah, to me, to me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind Hominy. I don't. I've only played it, I mean, you and I played it that one time, and we played the back nine twice. Um, and I think I saw the front nine way back when I was in high school. But, like, I, I just thought the, the features of rock spring um were just really cool like some deep bunkers um the wispy grass on some of the holes the undulation the greens um i I just thought it it had more character to it um maybe than hominy yeah uh, the bunkers were enormous like i mentioned a whole bunch of times they were they were really um really big really deep the I thought it was. I thought it was pretty close. If I finish that that thought to Hominy, I thought it was. I gave it an eighty six. Um, not having any practice facilities. I mean, it had a small putting green, but there wasn't a driving range. I I thought other than that, really, that was a that was the biggest thing for me. That there wasn't any kind of that you know kind of facility. But it's a it's an old school facility. Um, you could definitely tell it's like early turn of the century, you know, early 1900s clubhouse. Uh, It's got that old feel to it. It's, you know, like a single floor building. Uh, That's, you know, kind of no, no frills. The locker room is, is old with the exposed um, beams uh, and just like old lockers, like, like locker lockers. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a throwback. Um, but the course was, was really good. No, you know, not terribly long, but, but a bit of, a bit of target golf for, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, you don't need to hit driver off the, off the tee a whole bunch, which I think for when it was built, it would have been long, but now with the technology and things, it was, 
you know, it's it's not terribly long, but it is really good. The first hole, kind of that blind tee shot going down the hill over the water there. Uh, two coming back, and, you know, those are, those are kind of tucked in. Three over the ravine was really nice. Um, and then, then I feel like you're kind of off there, you know, like without a driving range, you're, you kind of hit, you, you kind of get through those, those two holes, maybe three, and then you kind of cross the road to four and five and come back. It was, it was, uh, it was really, really good. And, um, the, the character for me kind of came after really once you got to six, I guess, um, that par three was was really good. Um, the bunkers were, you know, it was surrounded by bunkers, but basically an island green. Um, bunkers in the front, bunkers in the back, bunkers on the side. Uh, six, um, seven was good. Eight, nine are, are really good holes. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was really really nice, really well. Uh, really well kept again for a public course, you know, you compare it to some of the other courses that we've played. And I think it's, I think it's really, really difficult for a public course to be on the same plane as a private course. It it just doesn't have the, the money or the, or the ability to keep up as far as maintenance goes. And, And I thought this one was, was in great shape, um, you know, and in comparison with a, with a private course that was in that good a shape. Uh, you know what? I, there was a couple things that really stood out to me that I thought were like really cool, maybe a little on the older side of things is one, I, I love the T markers. Those RS mm-hmm. yeah. T markers I thought were so cool looking. I think the, they have like a little history behind them. It's not the generic, just straight up color. It was those two letters to me I thought were like, really really cool that stood out yeah big time and then i thought like the design on the flags again i know it's just something simple and dumb and it's a lot of things that we take for granted because sometimes it's just like the red the blue the white based upon like where the flag is located but like that little logo inside the flag i thought was like two small things that don't really people don't really care much about but for whatever reason to me kind of stood out no i i think those are good because when you look at something like that and it's those are small and like if they're bad you don't really notice them but when they're good they do pop like it's not something that anybody noted and i think that shows that like they definitely popped because those those t markers were really cool like to have those to have that that rs like you get some that are just like like you go someplace that it's just like a golf ball or it's a you know, it's an anchor. It's a piece of or wood. Or it's a piece, piece of, of wood. wood. Or it's yeah, and it's just it's like but but I, I thought it was it was like an iconic look for it to say like R S, like to, to own their their name, I thought right. it was really cool. And I think that's kind of a cool thing because most public golf courses aren't doing th- nice, cool little things like that. Right. They're not. They're just finding those little like just stakes, throwing them in the ground, the mm-hmm. piece of wood. And I think that's a small little thing that a public golf course especially one that's really nice like this kind of does to separate itself. I think obviously the golf course kind of speaks for itself in terms of the condition that it was in the playability. Again, like you said, it's not the overly long, but the greens are kind of tricky. Yep. Um, and the bunkers are super deep. Yep. 
yeah, like you, you needed to hit good golf shots going into the greens. And I thought when I thought about the golf course itself, like that third hole, and again, I, I feel like I'm on like this tangent of like holes that stick out are always par threes. But again, this par three, it was really, really cool the way it was set up. I felt like the green sloped really hard from right to left and then from, you know, from back to for front to back, just like kind of just had that long little slopey tier that like you don't see that from the tee box, yeah. and it demanded a very good shot going in. It was kind of like a two hundred five up a hill. Yeah, up a hill. It played longer than than it was, uh, and then then the danger of like you had the you had the green going from front right to back left, like a skinny green going away from you. So you kind of had to hit a a draw into it. But then you have a long bunker that goes along the, the side of it facing you. So you got to not only do you have to hit a draw, but you have to hit it over a bunker um, with a draw. And then if you don't hit it in the bunker, you're in you're in this ravine. That's like something out of that, like the train crashes into and back to the future. Like that's a, like a deep ravine that looks like like a rock quarry or something like you're you're, you're not going down there to get a ball because it's 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 gone. So. It was a it was a really good hole, really really pretty picturesque hole there. That par three for sure. Yeah, I, and I thought I thought those those like kind of three things for me when I thought about the golf course and leaving like was was really cool. You know, it really was. And and I, it's again, it's another one of those spots that I think that you know you hear why a lot of people in that West Orange area play that often. It's a great golf course, and it, listen, maybe the price may be a little on the high side for you or others. But again, I think when you're checking off boxes about availability, accessibility, like how can you say no to a spot like that? Um, because again, I think I think it's a must for all public golfers to go experience something like that with the history, with the Seth Rainer, with all those things that go into that. At least go play it one time. Yeah, I think you absolutely have to. And as far as like the price goes, like you and I, we took a cart, so you know, like, uh, yeah, it's going to be more expensive when it's going to be, uh, you know, when you're taking a cart. It's certainly walkable. You could, oh, no doubt, you could certainly walk the course and have like Ted took Ted walked. He carried his bag. You could you could do a push cart, and and you're saving money there. So uh, I don't know what it would be with without a cart. You know, I know for us it was it was like what was it one fifteen or something like that. It was over a hundred dollars with the cart, and and as I said, I, I think that's what you're going to pay when you when you're playing golf. Uh, I I just don't, you know, if you're taking a cart, that that's what golf is. It's a hundred dollars with a cart. That's what it's going to be. I don't know what it costs without, but uh, again, like you could save money there, and it's certainly a walkable course. It, it's not like you're, it's not like there was a ton of mountains or like like you're not you're not walking up and up there's certainly hills there it, you know it's yeah, not but there flat wasn't a it's ton not of a beach course right it's not it's not a course you know from down the shore but it's it it was not you know for being an area that's up in in the elevation you're not you're not walking over a ton of mountains i, I thought it would be walkable for sure what was your what was your was the that was the third hole your favorite hole what was your signature hole yeah, I would say number three. I, I don't know why, but I think when I thought back about the golf course itself and I thought about all the holes, um, t- 
to me, that just seemed to be the coolest one. I think, like you said, that bunker that was in the front was really neat. And it was it was like, uh, I don't know, just, I, I didn't think it had that much slope on the green either from the tee box. And then when you got up there, you're like, wow, this is way more right to left than it looks. And then after I hit my first putt even on that hole, I was like, wow, that's way faster. Because now when I look at it from the other side, it's strictly downhill. So to me, like, there was a lot of unknowns about that hole specifically that you don't really see from the tee. And I think that was the first time as well that I saw the flags that made it stand out that just made that hole, in my mind, um, stand out more so than some of the others. Yeah. I mean, they must think it's their signature hole as well because it's the hole on the on the front page of their website. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it, it, oh, so yeah, it, goes, go. it goes to show. Good minds, good minds think alike. <laughs> Hey, they're not. It's just nothing. I thought, um, uh, again, kind of like in par threes, I thought the 16th hole was really cool there. I, I thought something that Seth Rayner does a lot of is the green to tee is not a long walk. He does a really good job of kind of like putting things right next to each other. And while still spacing them out, like you're like the walk from from 11's green to 12's tee box was like 10 feet. The walks from greens to tees are not far, but the but the course is rather open, I thought, comparatively. Yeah. No doubt. I I I I loved it. I had a great time. Um and you can always say that when you play well. Yeah. Um but you know, even when you date back to um times that you don't play well there's still you're still able to sit there and enjoy the golf course for what it is because you know there's some days that in a sense you win and you beat the golf course and then there's other days where the golf course is flexing their muscles laughing at you mm -hmm. yeah for sure so you know it, again rock springs a must go see it was it was really good again i'd say i'd say hour and a half hour and a half course um, if you're in, in, within that, go, go play it really good. Um, 1925 Seth Rayner track recently public, uh, in the last couple years. So yeah, 2019, yeah, 2019. So, uh, uh, you know, again, you could tell too, you could tell those things like the halfway house was like an old, um, throwback country club kind of like they could have filmed Caddyshack there and you wouldn't have known, like it had that kind of. That kind of feel to it. So uh, definitely go check it out. That's our that's our recap of Rock Springs. Matera's Italian Market and Catering Company is located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey at 72 Park Avenue and has everything you need for an authentic Italian table. Recently celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Matera's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door. Imported retail products, cheeses and cold cuts, freshly baked bread, and the creamiest fresh mozzarella. All can be ordered on the Matera's on Park app in Google and Apple stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. So give them a follow on Instagram at Matera's Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao. Matera's, you'll walk on a stranger, leave as a family. Uh, as I said at the top, we're going to send you to our interview with Milan Dobedel, winner of the 68th Ike Invitational Stroke Play Championship. 
Milan won in a playoff and and is a super interesting guy. He's got a very interesting uh, background into golf. So I think you guys are really going to like this interview. So here it is, Milan Dobadel. Enjoy. So today's guest, uh, I mean, this is one that you know I've been dying to to get on the show and and kind of pick his brain a little bit. Um, this year's 68th running of the Ike MGA Stroke Play Championship. This year is winner, as well as a Division One golfer at the University of Louisiana Monroe, Milan Dobadel. Milan, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate uh, being on your guys' podcast. Yeah, listen, I, I, I've been sitting here, and I know Ryan and I have kind of you know, went back and forth about, you know, how can I get Milan on? And, and then when you go out and you do what you did at the Ike, um, obviously that's something I'm going to get into a lot about. But real quick, and, and that maybe not even real quick, I, I think the audience would love to hear your backstory about kind of like, obviously they hear the accent if they don't have, if they haven't already. Um, and then ending up in New Jersey to begin and then ending up, you know, down at the University of Louisiana Monroe. Like, why don't you tell your story a little bit here? Yeah. Um, so I'm from England. I'm from a small town uh, in the UK called Reading. Uh, I grew up there. I played at a small golf club called Calcut Park. Um, and at the end of my <clears throat> at the end of my junior career, I got recruited by an agency, College Sports America, to come and pursue collegiate golf over here in the States. And uh, I was recruited by Fairleigh Dickinson, by Coach Warren. And uh, I spent my freshman year there, um, played nicely in the fall. And uh, just before COVID hit, um, you know, I was thinking the weather came and it was pretty cold, you know, emulated England quite a bit, which is what I was trying to, you know, get away from. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was was pretty brutal with the snow and all the indoor practicing and all that so I you know I realized that being down south and playing golf all year round was critical to uh you know to high level development and um being outside on turf all year round is really key um so yeah as COVID hit the season obviously got suspended and during that time I reached out to a lot of schools and Louisiana Monroe, I had a friend there and he was able to get me a full ride. So I hopped in the portal and, you know, headed on down. And, uh, yeah, I've just been uh, playing golf there. I just finished up my junior year. And during the summers, I haven't really been going home uh, just because of the expense of flights and COVID and uh, the opportunity for me to pursue caddying up here in New Jersey. I had a few friends that caddy at Alpine um, who also went to Fairley Dickinson. And uh, as my major is kinesiology focusing in sports management, I was able to do an internship at Alpine for caddying to, you know, count towards hours in the, uh, in my major. So they go hand in hand and I've been coming up and doing that for the last three years, um, which has been great. I've met a lot of great people. And yeah, playing these MGA tournaments, playing the NGA, SGA stuff uh, has been great. And um, I recall playing the sim- similar circuit last year. I played the Ike and the uh, the State Open and the State Amateur last year and uh, the year before that, the State Open and all that you know, great stuff. Um, but yeah, to come away 
with a win at the Ike this year was pretty special when uh, I've still got a busy schedule coming up for the end of the summer going into a full full year of collegiate golf coming up yeah yeah that's that's it's crazy that that when you think about like kind of like where you were to then come to New Jersey which like you just mentioned the winter can be brutal like there's no two ways around it yeah um but then to still come back here and caddy and and intern and still play I think that I I do think that comes full circle to kind of highlight the amount of good golf and opportunity that there still is here in this state. Yeah, I think, you know, um, New Jersey's the Northeast is definitely a great area to come up to in the, uh, <clears throat> in the uh, summertime. Um, you know, all the great players come up here because the courses are, you know, they're immaculate and uh, it's a great opportunity to hone your game in the summer months. I, how does kinesiology and caddying get tied together? Uh, so I'm in a internship, a internship class which runs um, from when I started my major. I've been able to do hours towards that. So at Alpine, um, I run my internship under the caddy master and I'm able to do caddying to count towards some of my hours that then go towards um, my major in that class, which is a six credit class that I'll graduate with in, in the spring of 2024. Love that. Love that. Love yeah. that. I love I, that. I can't, I can't imagine anything better than like, hey, you're if you're working and doing classes, like wh- what's better than that? Yeah, so I'm actually ticking off that class at the same time as, you know, meeting great people and, um, you know, being at Getting Alpine. good exercise. And this year they, they just granted me the uh, access to practice there and play there in the off hours. So I'm very grateful to be teeing up with members and, you know, some of my, some of my buddies at the club. Yeah, it's really, really, really enjoyable this summer. Damn, that sounds like a home run. And uh, you know, you're meeting us, so let's not say they're all great people. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not teeing it up with us, so that, that, that's a plus for him. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> not yet is right, uh, Milana. I was I was going to ask you what you you mentioned your upcoming schedule and how you've been busy since the Ike. What is that? What's your off season like? Other than the caddying, like you're playing off season because I'd imagine school went to sometime in May. I would imagine your yeah, season so, ended. School, yeah, so we finished our, our college year up at um, Annandale, Court, uh, Annandale Golf Club in Mississippi uh, for our conference championship. And then I headed up here uh, and I played the Ike. I played the USM qualifier at Haworth. Uh, unfortunately, missed out by missed by one, but uh, onwards and upwards. Uh, I then just qualified for the Monroe Invitational up in Pittsburgh, New York. Um the Met Amateur next week, followed by the North Atlantic Amateur in uh, West Jersey. And then the final event is the Met Open at Arcola. So a busy, a busy summer. Yeah. And then to head back down and play. I think as soon as I get back down to school, we're going to be on the road to Missouri. So it's a really, uh, it's a really tight schedule. Yeah. And driving, driving back down to school as well, if I may add that. I drove from Louisiana here with one of my teammates and... Um, yeah, I'm unfortunately he can't join me back here, but um, yeah, I'm going to be driving the car back down, which is a very, very long drive. <laughs> yeah, it's that that's definitely a long drive. Maybe a stop in Nashville. You, are you are you even 21 yeah, yet? Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee. We stopped in Tennessee on the way up, and I'll you know I'll probably probably sleep in the car on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I, when, wild because we hear you hear like the Corn Ferry people that are like 
oh, they're, they're going from, you know, tournament to tournament. They're sleeping in their car. You talk about, like, how many people run out of funds yeah. that are trying to, trying to become professional. Sure. It, it's got to be even harder as a college kid that's not yeah, making any kid, money whatsoever. Yeah, I, so I, I don't have the privilege of uh, coming from a lot of money. Uh, I was raised in a pretty adverse you know, economic background. Um, so, you know, being very frugal and conservative with money is definitely something that I've, you know, learned to do very well. And, you know, sleeping in a car is kind of like the what it takes attitude. And, I, you know, I live, I live for that. So, yeah, I mean, listen, you, you, when got, I, a, you got a Venmo? Let's see if anyone could Venmo you some money for a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, listen, <laughs> I mean, I will say this, that that schedule, you know, and it's so funny because we just had Jack Wall on again last week and i don't know if you're familiar with jack he plays at texas tech he just won the new jersey state amateur um th- this past uh, i guess a couple of weeks ago but he was telling us how he just got back from the southern am and then he played the new jersey amateur then he was going out to the western am and you know he had a lot of things before he headed back down to texas tech for for the season to start but it kind of sounds similar to what you got going on where it's like right now come august 1st you know it's like go, go, go. Like you got this tournament, you got that tournament, you know, and I know you just got back from playing the Rochester. So that's another, that's another big time event. Um, but you know, and then you got all the Met stuff that's still kind of, that's looming in the background with the, the Met amateur right around the corner. So again, big time names there as well. But if we get into your, your Ike victory, um, you know, like, you know, as, as an outsider, you see some of these names that you beat. You know, like, I, and I don't know, you know, like, let's start at the very beginning before you even, you know, won the whole damn thing. But, you know, you see the names that are in there, like Pat Wilson, you got Brad Tilly, who's who's an absolute stud. You got Shane Bacon that's in there. And then, then you got a, a lot of college kids like yourself. You got you, you got Colin Summers, you got Cole Eckert. So you got a lot of guys in there that can really golf their golf balls, I like to say a lot. Like, going into the tournament, what was, what was your thought process well yeah it's funny i i don't actually i'm not very familiar with many of those names um that's a plus then that could be a plus i mean i kind of just showed up and to me it wasn't a great field like it wasn't a field where you know i was blown away by the players and you know in the field and uh yeah i mean i already had built a process to win you know way way long before the tournament started you know way way back when when i created all you know while i've been working on my mental game and all of that stuff and uh yeah, I honestly just, I mapped it on Google Earth. I did, I used Decade to get all the tee shots for the practice round. I just, you know, got comfortable with the green speed, looked at adjacent hazards around the green, you know, gave them values, which is, if you're familiar with Decade, you'll know what I'm talking about. But, you know, strategy was key, which I got down pretty good on the uh, in the practice round. And then come game time, it was just about how well I executed and uh, getting good breaks, which fortunately I got that week, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I would say, I I am familiar with decade. I I probably not to the level that you are, and not to the level that other players that we've had on have talked about it. But I am a big numbers analytics guy. Like I love playing the percentages in in terms of that. Now, granted, for me, it's when it, me and Ryan are out there just smacking it around, um, things like that. So I'm not doing what you're doing. But just knowing the numbers means something. Why don't before again, like why don't you dive into that side of your game? Mm-hmm. Like decade yeah, so, golf, how how you incorporate that? Yeah, so I've done 
I've used Decade for a number of years now. I've read every shot counts by Mark Brody, and I've looked at a lot of Lou Stagner's stuff. And they're all the numbers guys, you know. They all do yeah, all the, big time. <laughs> yeah, they do all the data and the percentages and all that stuff, and I just read it and yeah, absorb it. Um, but yeah, Scott's done a phenomenal job with the game, um, bringing to light this new kind of foundation of picking a target, uh, the importance of a pre-shot routine, um, block practice versus random practice. Um, you know. Google mapping the tee shots, you know, when when's the right time to hit driver, when when is it okay to drop back to three wood? Um the whole stuff with, you know, the putting distribution, you know, leaving more putts short to make the hole bigger, that kind of thing. Um, not going at flags, you know, unless it's within the baseline number, that kind of thing. All of that is great. And uh, you know, when it comes to a tournament, it's just down to variance and luck and patience and you know, just sticking it out and trusting that, you know, trust in your dispersion, trust in your shot shape not trying to force birdies, not trying to force anything to happen, just, you know, letting it take care of itself. And uh, I just did a great job of trusting that that week. So that that's hilarious because um, the the Corn Ferry Tour was just in Chicago, <clears throat> and we had a guy, Ryan McCormick, on the, on the show, and he was interviewed about how he prepares for the tournaments, and he's playing video games. So he pulls the game up. He talked about how he uses Google Maps as well, but he'll pull out PGA 2K and and he's playing the course and taking notes by playing the video game, which is which is wild because like <clears throat> I think like you could use Google Maps and like that's that's all well and good and you can you know click around on some stuff, but like it makes it a little more interactive, especially when you know like when you're playing a course that's on there for sure, that's, that's an interesting way to do it. Have you yeah. done anything like that as well? Or uh, is that something I, I'm that's not like, really, uh, I'm not really a console person. I'm more of a bookworm. I, I like to read books and study and all that great stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the first, that's the first time I've heard of someone. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, I mean, it probably works for him. I mean, he's on the conference tour. So it's probably the, and I think he just had a good week this week. So congratulations to him. He did. So it was that was just super interesting to me. I never would have thought to use video games as like a way to prepare for the course. Of course, I've played Augusta n- numerous times on that, so I am prepared for it when I do get to play it. But until then, it's just going to be a, a pipe dream. But that that was that was really interesting to me, and what you said just kind of just kind of resonated. Although I think your answer is the most British answer we could have gotten, <laughs> that you're more of a bookworm and less of a console. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so. So let's, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I do, right, to echo your point, like the idea that, that, and I don't want to say Milan's like a kid, but like the younger version, the younger athlete, the college kid is using so many diverse ways of preparing themselves. Like you think about like, Milan, I'm 39. Ryan, I don't know if he wants to disclose his age, but I have no... I'm 37. Yeah, Ryan's 37. So, like, but, like, (laughs) we're obviously older, but we played collegiate sports, and preparing wasn't that way. It was like you either went out and, you know, for us, it was either play basketball, you played golf, and just hit a few shots, and that was it. But the way you guys are preparing nowadays is so... It's so cool, really, to think about. So, you know, when, when you can now that you can look at a course from an overview perspective um you can kind of you know look at where like your average tee shot's going to land how far it's going to leave you to a front pin to a back pin you can gauge sort of how many wedges you're going to have how many scoring clubs you're going to have how many long irons you're going to have 
how long are the par threes and you can kind of start to emulate that kind of stuff in preparation you know is it going to be a windy golf course do i need to work on trajectory control you know are the greens good are the green complexes large or are they small have i got to work on speed control more than holding out you know when when you can kind of like you know simplify it to those kind of things then you know your performance practice protocol is like you know suited to that course instead of sort of a generic improvement on performance if you know what i'm saying yeah listen i i think i think it's really i think it's really cool i i truly do i you know, I think some part of me is like jealous because when I was a kid, it was like we we're just playing video games to play video games. And and I and, and I and I and I will say this: like, I know like a lot of Mario people... Kart didn't have anything to do with what else we play in sports. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I th- I think that kind of echoes the point too. Like, I know a lot of people harp on social media being such a negative thing and the internet being like the worst thing ever. But when used properly, the resources that we have at our fingertips are just truly remarkable and can be used in so many different facets. And this just being another one. And and the idea that I'm looking up Google Maps and looking at golf courses, to me, that's just like so benign. But you guys doing it and using it to make yourselves even more successful is, is, is ludicrous and crazy, but I fucking love it. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, I do. So, all right, let's get into the tournament because this is like – you know, I, I, I'm probably more of like the golf tournament nerd between Ryan and I. Um, it's true. I, I, I am like all in and, and, and I, the running joke on the podcast here is like when I have you guys on, like I look at you guys like, dude, these guys are like big time. Like I, I envy you guys. I wish I could hit the golf ball like you guys, even though I can bunt it around a little bit. But obviously I see, I see your name and I see you guys, you playing well. And I'm like, man, you know, Milan's got a connection to New Jersey. This is like a perfect tie and let's try to get him on. And obviously my goal is working behind the scenes to get you guys on, but let's talk about the Ike. Cause I know it was only the second time that you ever played the tournament. And, and I know last year was the first time you finished top 10, um, to then come back this year, um, to be Christian in a playoff, like, you, you played solid golf, but I obviously, being the nerd I am, I read a lot of the quotes that you had put out there on different, you know, different platforms, and you know, it was, it didn't sound like you had your best stuff all week, but you still found a way to get it done. Talk a little bit about the tournament itself and how you felt like you were playing and and how things were going. Yeah, so obviously as i mentioned you know in the interview i didn't have my best stuff off the tee um i had kind i'm kind of going through a phase right now of trying to add speed um i've been doing a lot of stuff in the gym you know getting stronger improving baselines doing a lot of speed training um i'm trying to translate that to driver and moving it left to right with my new swing coach cameron mccormick um which we've done a lot of great stuff this spring and very grateful for for him, you know, guiding me. He's a great coach. And to anyone out there, I recommend him. He's really phenomenal. Um, but that week, the ball wasn't starting the where, you know, where I wanted it. Uh, it was curving quite a lot. And by the end, my body was a little fatigued and it was, you know, shaping more, more than I would, would have liked it. Um, that being said, I did have my best stuff into the greens. Um, if I take a look at my strokes gained, I gained 12 and a half strokes for three rounds into the greens, which is wow. without, wow. without, without big time. Yeah, that is, that's quite remarkable. So um, that's, you know, I was really proud of that. 
and yeah, with putter, I didn't, I didn't putt amazing. I just, you know, tried to avoid three putting as much as I could, and you know, read them as best I can, and you know, focus on speed. That's you know, they're very important, and the rest is down to, you know, you know whether it finds the hole or not. And for that week, some of my longer putts fell in. You know, I took care of the shorter ones and just trusted the process of my pre-shot routine, post-shot routine, um, breathing, meditation, and, you know, all the mental training that I've done with Dr. Nick Molinaro as well. Uh, we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years, and it's been really phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you opened up with, with four under 66, and, you know, I know it's a par 70 for the audience that, you know, don't know where you played, but to also throw that out there, I mean, you played a golf course that is beyond exceptional with it playing it at Brooklawn. Um, another AW Tilling has to sign, so it's another great, great track, and all the MJ events that they have are at Unreal Golf Courses. But like, even after day one, you know, Colin goes out there and he shoots 65. So you know, you, you're right there in the thick of it. And then knowing that Tuesday's is 36 holes, like, kind of like, what was your thought process going into that last day? Because you know, I know that 36 holes for anybody, even someone of your caliber can be a long, it can be a grinding day. Um, you know, what was the thought going into that final day? It's funny. Um, I actually didn't check the leaderboard, uh, upon leaving the course. I just, um, wow. Went, I, th I think I got Chipotle That's... because it's Chipotle and Monroe and I love Chipotle. So <laughs> I've, I've had about 20 Chipotles this summer. So, uh, yeah, I'm becoming a very familiar face in Chipotle and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I that's incredible. I, <laughs> I, did I some love recovery that. Stuff. I did some recovery stretching, and uh, I started to watch Sea Biscuit. Someone recommended that film to me. A member at the golf club. Uh, it's so a I good movie. That. And uh, yeah, just just to sort of take my mind off of golf, you know, as a switch off. Um, you can become awfully consumed with um, scores and you know stuff stuff that's already happened in the day. You know, reflecting on what could have been better. You could have shot lower. This, that, and the other. You know, which you know, you can't control at the end of the, you know, you're just trying to get a good night's rest and you're trying to, you know, mentally prepare for the next day. And, you know, my, my, you know, I had no idea that I was even, you know, I played nicely and my goal was to do the same kind of thing tomorrow. You know, it was, it was uh, just about trusting the process, doing, picking the same targets, going through the same routine and just showing up and executing. So. I can't believe you didn't check the leaderboard. And know where, like, so, okay, so now let, let's fast. So you go through Monday, you shoot 66. Mm -hmm. um, you don't get off the tee exceptionally well. But now you know you're going to play 36 holes the next day, right? Yeah. And you know that this is going to make or break the championship. Like, do I get to etch my name into this thing or not? So, like, before you tee off on Tuesday, do you know that Colin's up by one? Or no, you still don't have any clue? No, I stretched, I meditated, I got to the course, I did my normal warm-up. And uh, and you don't know the leaderboard? No, 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 no. I don't have the I don't have it I don't have the mental capacity for change. that. <laughs> knowing knowing or checking the scores of the leaderboard doesn't change anything for me. It doesn't do me any favors. It doesn't, you know. It only it's only going to increase anxiety. It's only going to you know stress me out. Dude, that is uh, I listen. I give you so much credit because that's such a mature approach. I'm 39 <laughs> with two kids and married, like. I, there is no way yeah, that I no. am I am that mature to not look at the leaderboard because all of <laughs> all of the all of the stuff the like the lines that I've chosen off the tee is to has already been 
have been chosen to optimize scoring and by me knowing that I'm a couple back or three ahead, you know, I'm if if I was hitting three wood on one hole to optimize how I play the hole and then I pull driver, that's you know, it's not gonna guarantee I make birdie. It, it might increase the chance I make bogey, you know, just if you could force a birdie, you know, if you could pick a club or a different strategy to make birdie, then you would do that all the time, you know? So once you've already optimized it through the practice round and that, and through decade, you it's just, it's execute. just down to just trusting and executing yourself. Wow. That's, that, that's a level of that. trust that I, I don't know. That. If, yeah. I don't know if I have that level of trust in me at all. No, I know I don't, <laughs> but I love hearing that's it. That's incredible. Yeah, I do too. Because that's that's amazing to hear. I trust, that's... I trust Milan now to come hit my golf shot because I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's one of the most incredible things we've ever heard, Mike. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's I'm blown away by that. I I can't get over the fact that you're playing in an MGA major. You're playing in the Ike. You're playing in this to us and maybe not to you that you don't know the relevance of how big of a golf tournament this is with the names that are in there. Like that probably helps you a lot. But like for someone like me who like always is checking the golf genius and refreshing to see what's yeah. going on, like I see this, like I'm stressed out for you that just, you, you don't know, know. At the end of the day, you just can't control what your competitors do. You know whether they try, whether they go on to then change clubs and change strategy because they feel like they can win or you know increase their lead or try and close the gap. You know whatever they try and do is out of my control. I can only control what I do and make the best decisions that I possibly can throughout the whole tournament. Yeah, dude, I love that. I love that. So, okay. So, okay. So, so, now so when, when do you know that? Let me ask you that. Okay, when do okay, you so know I where can, you no, are on the wait, leaderboard? Don't, don't, don't answer that yet. Don't answer it because I want to get to that point. Cause I, okay. I, I, okay. I, I want to get, because I, I think I got something on, on, on your round that I think is going to blow Ryan away that when I say this, but as we get into the second round, you know, again, I, Obviously, looking at your scores, I think the double that you made on on eight in the second round probably, you know, was the only hiccup I kind of saw in your whole round because then you came back and you you were two under the last you know ten holes of of the day. So you shoot sixty nine in the second day, uh, excuse me, in the second round, and you know more or less now the leaderboard is loaded, you know, because you have so many names that are now again you have no clue to this uh, because you're not checking, but someone like me who's stalking it knows the ins and outs of the names on the leaderboard at the time. So like you're going into this final round and the whole the whole thing is bunched up. You know, Colin had shot even par seventy. You were one under, so you guys were tied. You had Christian right there. You had Charlie, uh, and you had Brad Tilly right there in the wings as well. So like you got you got name after name after name. So you're going into this final 18 holes, and again, I'm just gonna just throw this out there. You still have no clue where you're at. I didn't know. I did know. After I came in, you know, I had to find out the tee time and how much of a break I had between 18s. And uh, Chris was Chris just said, "Yeah, there's a load of guys at five under. You know, you're gonna go out at X at X time, and you've got Y to eat breakfast, uh, to to have a break and have uh, lunch. It wasn't a very long break. You know, bear, bear that in mind." And uh, I went out and teed up again. Uh, got, I'd say I was 15, 14 holes in to my last round and I was just spent, uh, you know, I was carrying my own bag. I didn't have a caddy and uh, it was, it was frightening how tired I was. And there was a guy that stepped forward. Uh, oh, this is my story. Yeah. This, is, this is my, this is where I was going to go. Right. He carries his whole bag the entire time, right? 
So it, there's no yeah. caddy like everybody. I mean, and it wasn't it wasn't the flattest, of course. It's a tilling house, and Alpine's a tilling house as well. And lugging lugging two bags around Alpine, you know, as the caddies know, is not easy. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> holes out there that definitely get you, and there was definitely some some slopey holes at Brooklawn as well. So yes, yeah, so, right. So and this is what I was blown away with. So you can retell the story because I he carries his bag right the entire time. All right. But then, Hold on, can I interrupt? Let me interrupt real quick. Milan, in between the 18s, you said you had a short amount of time. Yeah. Was it enough time to go to Chipotle? No, it wasn't. No. Okay. That was the important was question I, I had to ask. I had to know that. Some, grab some grilled chicken, a salad, and maybe some pasta, <laughs> something like that. It was, it was good. It wasn't quite a budget boat ride. Quick bite. Okay, so you're carrying your own bag. Gotcha. Right. Okay, so let's so go. let me get into this. So... He carries his own bag for the majority of the tournament, okay? But then for the final five holes and the three-hole playoff, he has a caddy on the bag. Now, I know that we can be a little superstitious with things. Mm-hmm. And probably would have said, there's no way I'm letting somebody else jump on my bag. But now hearing Milan talk about like the process and how he handles it. He's not it's superstitious. Like, there's not yeah, a thing he there, does that's I feel superstitious. Like, yeah, I feel like there's nothing that bothers him. Yeah, yeah, like it's it, it's funny you say that. I, I mean, I, I I was carrying my own bag for a reason, and it, the fact that I didn't take a caddy was down to the fact that I don't need any outside influence. I'm I'm well able of reading the greens. I'm capable of picking a target. I, the shots have been pre-made. Yeah, like pre-determined. It's, it's just down to wherever the ball goes, to be honest. And if the flag or the hole gets in the way, then great. If not, then pick the bag up and move on. But um, yeah, for for him to step in and you know be a bag toter for the you know for the last few holes of the tournament and in the playoff was was very nice of him and uh yeah I'm grateful that he did because if not I don't think I'd have made it over the line and who's so who is this this mystery man just like a his guy name, watching his name, was, his name was Tim I think he was a local caddy at Brooklawn and he just you know came up to me and was like hey man like you look like you're struggling do you need a caddy and I was like well I'm not going to ask you but uh if you're going to volunteer then yeah sure I yeah I'm a caddy myself <laughs> yeah it was uh, <laughs> it was hard for me to ask for a caddy, so yeah. So so he just comes out of the crowd, like yeah. Just he's just walking the course and goes like, "Hey, <laughs> you look you look exhausted." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'd say going up the I don't know what hole, maybe it was thirteen. I think I was going up the thirteenth hole. I was a good twenty twenty five yards behind my group and just yeah. <laughs> I was just looking like the last rhino in Jumanji, yeah. just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a long day. My feet were aching, and you know, my my body was just you know just about holding up. I could hit the ball, you know, at full capacity. But then you know, to have him carry the bag and to walk down the fairway, you know, without anything on my back was a was a big relief. Yeah. Wow. And so. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy, right? How that's how... really I didn't even think like if you were to ask me before this story, I wouldn't think that that's legal. Uh yeah. You know, think, like that think... you couldn't get somebody in the middle of a round to help you out. Like Yeah. I th- I think if they've played I don't know, I don't quote me on this, but I I think if they've played the golf course earlier in the day, uh they're not allowed to caddy. That might be an RNA rule, but USJ I think you're right. I think you're right with that, Mela. Yeah. I do because I I don't think they can have any like pre-course knowledge exactly. or have played okay. or have played it ahead of time to then come and assist somebody else. It's like getting outside assistance sure. from yeah, things no, I, that have seen it ahead of times. But but, but to exactly to that point, this guy could have walked the course, seen other players do stuff, and then come back 
to help you out. Yeah, but as long as you wasn't physically playing. I guess yeah, he wasn't playing. playing. Yeah, okay. But, but yeah. yeah, so I, I guess that that's wild. I just I I would have thought, uh, yeah, I would have I yeah. would have thought that that is against the rules. But that's amazing that it's a crazy story. Like, this guy comes down from the sky to you and helps you <laughs> win the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think that's crazy. And then so obviously, how many people had caddies out there? Everyone. Don't lie. Say, did did everyone, everyone accept you? I'd say it was 80% of the field, probably. 80, 90%. Okay. Of the field. I, was, I was one of the only ones, you know, that didn't have any support out there or, or caddy. I'm not to, you know, it's not it's not woe to me, but, you know, I was I was there without the a caddy. Dog. And, you know, right. people, you chose looking, not people to, were looking you, at me yeah. and they didn't know who I was and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no offense. <laughs> I, I, and again, you know, not being from the area and everybody else being from the area. You're gonna, they're gonna get that support, and I think that's what you see a lot at a lot of these events. Is that not only local kids and, and college pros like yourself, well, it's college athletes, I should say, but then like even local pros and named guys, they're they're gonna have a a contingency of people out there following them, mm-hmm. which to some yeah. extent it, it probably helps you to where there is no distractions and you're able to just again maturely follow your process, hit your golf shot and continue to move where it's man, a- I'm too much of I'm too much of a head case to even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Can I actually come back to that? I got a question on this like this predetermined like you get, yeah, you need to maybe like, dive into this. Maybe you need to yeah, dive into this. So so for someone like me, I don't know if that would work because I I'm on the better half of being a poor golfer. So when I I might have a plan for a hole, yeah. But but when I hit when I hit a shot and it goes wayward, I have to readjust my plan. How does that work for you in this? So like you yeah, so you hit a, you hit I understand what you're saying. So like you've got uh, you've got a disper- you've got a dispersion. Everyone has like, my dispersion is significantly bigger than yours. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods' dispersion is significantly you know tighter than mine, as you could say. Um, but yeah, yeah, once you once you pick uh, you know a mathematically correct target, you know mm-hmm. it. If you hit fifty shots to a to a flag, some are going to miss left, some are going to miss right. And if you put the if you put the aim line target down in the right place, and then on on a certain week the the ones that finish left of the target or the ones that finish right end up whole side, then you know they're the close birdie looks, and the ones that finish up on the opposite side are the you know the longer looks at birdie, and you just two putt those for par. That's the idea. Right, th- th- that's great. I'm talking about the ones that you like snap hook and go into uh, go into fescue then, or yeah, deep then, rough then or at, maybe uh, another fairway. That's what I'm talking at, about. And you're looking at a miscut week. You're not looking to contend <laughs> and win. <laughs> Back to the range for you. Okay. <laughs> Have fun, uh, is that Yeah, that's it's, that's. Uh, Milan, it's not Ryan's not going to the range. He's going to the bar. So there's yeah. a lot. Of, yeah, I suppose he's yeah, the bar, yeah. Where's the cart girl? That's what I need. <laughs> I need. I need a Tito's quick. That's oh, that's, uh, so that's interesting because it's because like, I think I think anybody who who would call themselves a quote unquote golfer like I'm not a good golfer, but I would say that I'm a golfer. I play a lot of golf. I, I like I I go into a hole and I have a plan. The plan is fairway green two putt. Yeah, but that's everyone's plan. I might, yeah. Right, but I might pipe a drive. 
<laughs> but I might pipe a drive right down the middle and say, like, okay, that flag is tucked kind of behind the bunker. I'm not going to go for it. I'm going to aim at the middle of the green, right? Yeah. And I aim at the middle of the green, and and I uh, on my downswing, I just have a seizure, and it goes way, way right <laughs> for whatever reason. So now I'm out there scrambling. So I, I don't – so then it just – my thought process is like always trying to recalibrate that like okay now what's <laughs> my plan my plan was the middle yeah, of the green if, if you recalibrate the seizure then you might be able to put a couple of good numbers <laughs> together yeah <laughs> i love this i love this yeah well, good i to love know. this let's, let's real quick let's let me go back to the playoff now so you you make a par on the 18th hole okay um and now do you know that all right after you've just finished out your round and you tapped in for par like do you know that you're about to go into a playoff no uh i was you know i sat on the ground i was really tired and signed the scorecard went to the scoring desk and uh i think someone told me to wait around there might be a playoff and i was just you know sat there i was like okay didn't know who it was going to be didn't know what was going on and then christian tapped in i played with him in the second round and um he came off the green and was like, "Oh, um, I guess we're going to a playoff or something like that." And then, uh, and then it just it commenced after that. Yeah. So I mean, so okay. So, so you didn't even know you were the guy in the playoff. No. Oh yeah, no. I knew, you didn't I know knew that I was, you. I knew I, I either won or I, you know, there was going to be a. Playoff. Oh, okay. So you knew where you were in the at that point. Okay, good. Kind good, of, good. yeah. Yeah, aka no. He's trying to he's trying to make us feel better. He's trying to make us feel better right now because my anxiety, my anxiety for him not even knowing at the time, and this was weeks ago, is already sky high. So I, I appreciate him trying to do us a few favors with this. But obviously, so Christian and you decide no, don't decide, but like end up in a playoff. And I know that you play the three holes at Brooklawn. You play 14, 15, 16. Um, and if if we go through those holes a little bit. Um, I, I guess, you know, when Christian three putts on 15 and, you know, you made it part 14, you made part 15, you kind of knew like what your job was going to that last hole. You know, more yeah. or less is like, let me put the pressure on Christian. Let me see if he has to, you know, you're kind of forcing him to make a birdie if you can make I mean, yeah, a, a like par. I, like I said prior, like, you know, my, all the clubs I was hitting off the tee, all, all of it was, you know, I was always going to hit pick the same target. It was just... You know what what he does is what he does, and and you know I can't control what he does. It was just very fortunate for me that he did three putt, and uh, it could have you know easily gone anyone's way. He was a good enough player to have you know he could say that himself. But um, yeah, on the last hole, he definitely had to try. I I feel like he thought he had to make a birdie, and uh, but let's talk yeah. about your up and down. I mean, because yeah. I think that I felt like that was the shot that a lot of the things that I read highlighted more than anything else. It wasn't like anything about a drive here or a big eagle that you made in the first round or, or things like, or any other birdie. It was everything that I kept reading kept coming back to the way you got up and down behind the challenging green on, on, on 16, like where you landed it, how it, you know, trickled down. Like, why don't you talk a little bit about the execution, I guess, of that shot because I think there's times that we all have to admit that as much as decade can help you, that gets thrown out the window and it's like, all right, it's, I, I got to just hit this golf shot. I got to perfect this golf shot 
because this is going to make or break me winning this championship. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was there in regular play, and I, I hit. It's actually really funny you say that because I actually hit a better shot in regular play than I did in the playoffs. Uh, wow. in regular play, like for 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 my, for my intention, I hit. Um, I tried to land it on the right side, and obviously let it funnel down. And in, in regular play, I did that, and I had a ten foot coming back, and you know, made it. It was up the hill, and I, you know, made it. I hit a good putt. And in the playoff, the ball was sat down a bit more, so I had to, you know, a bit more speed and a bit more energy into it. And it, it didn't come out great. Like, it came out very soft, and I thought it was going to pop a little bit more. And it landed in the rough, and then it took a bounce forwards and then caught the slope on the right and then trickled down. And there was a moment in time where I thought it was going to stay <laughs> up top and I was going to have another chip, oh, boy. two chip. yeah. And uh, it, it was just very fortunate that it got that bounce out of the rough because then it was going, it was rolling slow, slow enough to, you know, not go racing past it. And it left myself a, a three footer above the hole right to left to, uh, to get up and down. Yeah. I was just going to say, how many times do you see that? Like that, it, that somebody needs to get a good fortunate bounce um, to win a tournament. Like it's golf very, is you know, really like, hard. It, it, you need those, you need hard. those in order to win. You know, when, when it boils down to it a lot, I hate saying it, but a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is good fortune. You know, you can, you can hit a great golf shot and, and execute to the way you want, but so, there is luck involved. And there was luck in that shot on, you know, in, on the last hole of the playoff. You've paid your penance to the golf gods. You've already put in the work. They, they're rewarding yeah. you for previous actions that you've, that you've done there. That's what that yeah. is. Yeah, you know what I like to say? Good things happen to good people. Thanks, man. All right. No, no listen, I, that's <laughs> kind of how it works sometimes in yeah, life. Yeah, I, like, I just, you know, I, worked really, I worked really hard leading up to it, and I've been working hard the whole summer. You know, throughout my whole life, I've worked hard and uh, to, to come away with a win, you know, unexpectedly. I, I didn't, my expectation was to go there, you know, good process, good mental, good mental strategy, dot 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 and then to come away and execute you know above average and walk away with a win after you know some of the battles that i'd you know, gone through prior was really was really special it was definitely came out of the blue yeah yeah i mean listen i i i saw that i said oh man that that's a huge win and everything i read was was in in incredible and um i listen the, I, the, the chip was the thing to me I, I was like i can't wait to get to the chip and the caddy story was like i was mind blown but but when i hear you talk I, I can say that, you know, you're you're very mature. You have your head on your, you know, you're, you're very tightly. You know what you're looking to do. And as you progress now through your college career, what do you see is the future for you? Like, are are do you? I, I have to assume the aspirations of of making it on tour have to be the end. And I don't want to even say the end goal because so for someone like you, like it seems like the you know, a growth mindset is something that you've really dove deep into and not being so fixated on just like fixed results. Like, is that the thought to get there and then go, go compete with those guys? Yeah, definitely developing a growth mindset over a fixed mindset is definitely going to be something that, that gets me there. Um, so I'll play, my plan is to play uh, my last year in college at Louisiana Monroe. Uh, and due to all of the stuff changing, the, the merger and all of that great stuff that Canada and now Latin America are going to form to one America's tour with stuff going on in North America as well. Um, there will be a Q school at the end, uh, sorry, in the start of the fall in September, ending in December, uh, four stages, including a pre-qualifier. And I'm going to look to do that uh, in the fall of 2024 after I graduate and uh, yeah, commence my 
professional career there. Awesome. So will you wait on declaring professional until then so you can play in things like the Ike in 2024 and yeah, the I, Met I, Am and things I'm like still, that? I'm still, you know, up in air about that. I, it's not been, you know, set in stone yet. I, I may, just depending on how my college career goes, um, I may turn pro straight out of college if I, you know, if that's where I feel like I'm at or if I decide to come up here again um, and spend another summer here before I turn pro uh, and do Q school, then, then yeah, that's, that's probably where it's going to be. But getting status for the 2025 season is definitely uh, something that is going to be one of my goals going forward. Awesome. Yeah. And, so and then- speaking of, speaking of professional golfers, do you know who Cameron Young is? Have you heard of this professional golfer? Yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. Do you know what you and him have in common? Yeah. I've heard that he won the Ike as well. Yeah. And and he also shot a two oh three, which is the low round for the Ike tournament. Cool. The yeah, low that's tournament. Pretty good. So, yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good company. Good company. <laughs> you know, I mean, we we would t- emulate a career like his. I would, I'd love yeah. that. Definitely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> one, yeah. Of my, one of my dreams. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. And and so, from from a like a a again, looking ahead, kind of approach here, like what are some, some ways that, you know, if, if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know what, this, this kid has his head on the right way. And I, I think he's got a future. Like if someone was interested in, in, in supporting you after college or even NIL deals or things like that, like, are you, do you, are you open to them as, as a, as a, as a college golfer, as a, as a person looking to do bigger and better things? Like what, what what could be some way that someone could reach out to you if they were interested? Yeah, so I, I have created a budget for Q School for a season on PJ Tour Americas and a PJ on Corn Ferry Tour. Um, I have a budget and I have a proposal ready. Um, if someone listening would like to reach out to me, they can reach out uh, through email at melandoberdell.com. Uh, my Instagram is melan.doberdell and my Twitter is melandoberdell as well. Um, yeah, if, if you're interested, um, I'd very much appreciate any support um, Yeah, in upcoming years, starting my professional career. Yeah, and what we'll do is when we when we release the episode and whatnot, we'll make sure that, you know, we put all that in the description so that, you know, that you could tag it, you can share it, you can put it out there as well. So, you know, because I, I do think I do think that's important because I think even as Ryan and I noticed, like golf is really expensive just for the average Joe like us to go out and play. For guys like you that are looking to do bigger and better things, you, we hear it all the time on the tour. Like, just the travel aspect is is yeah. crazy. And, yeah, and, hotels, flights, food, yeah. rental cars. You know, it's not cheap. So, um, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't, can't fund it on your own unless uh, a family friend or family can can do it. And uh, I'm not, unfortunately, not in that situation. So, outside help is definitely going to be something that I'm looking for. Yeah, hundred percent. Or, or even just to pay for a hotel room in Tennessee. Yeah, back to school. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> or Chipotle. Or yeah. Chipotle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> live in there, yeah. I think that's what we got to work on. We got to work on Chipotle for your NIL deal. Yeah. That's what we got to work on. Listen, I'd love we that. should cut we we need to cut this up when he was talking about that and just tag them and everything and and who knows. <laughs> All it takes is the right person to hear it. The right person yeah. hears it, who knows. You know? <laughs> yeah. be ha- that'll be the front left chest and the hat, you know? <laughs> love it. You know? But but Milan, I, I I 
I, I can't thank you enough. I, I Ryan and I always kind of like to end things with a few questions. And, and sure. I know we don't, I'm not trying to blindside you in terms of like, um, or any gotcha like questions, but, and, and I know maybe like when we're talking golfing in the garden state, you know, your history compared to others may be a little different, but our goal is really to highlight all the good things here in New Jersey, whether it's play golf, talk golf and enjoy as much golfing in the garden state as we can. Is there a certain golf course, maybe public and private or one or the other that if the audience is listening, that they get a chance to go play that you would recommend to them? Yeah. A hundred percent private course has to be Alpine. Uh, great test of golf, great green complex. You, if you short side yourself at Alpine, you'll know about it. Good luck. I have to shout out Rivervale for the best public course. I did a lot of my practice there before uh, I was able to practice at Alpine. Um, and the course is in really good shape and played it a few times. And it's a good test as well. So, yeah, Alpine and uh, Rivervale for sure. There you go. I, I was kind of curious. I didn't know yeah. knowing that he's not like a huge or all in New Jersey guy and kind of like is here and there. Like, man, those those are two right off the bat. And no offense, right? I don't know if we've heard Rivervale as being a, a a top one. I know. I don't think we have. But what what are some of the ones that some what's uh, what are the most so popular like, ones for public? Again, a, a lot of it is really based upon the area that people are from. So like what we've got one. On, like, what about like Bergen County, like here? Um, I, I'm trying to think. We had Jack Simon. Do you know? I don't know. Again, I'm going to throw names out that I'm not really familiar. If you're familiar with them, but like Jack Simon plays a lot of golf out of Rockaway, um, and Rockaway, Rockaway Rivers. That's out west. Rockaway, uh, that's, where, that's where the state am was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. And, public calls? No, 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 no. That, that's, that's private. private. That's private. But he he had mentioned. God, I, I now I'm oh, drawing Frank. Royce. What's Royce that Brooke one did. that's um, that's got like the like it's got the name and then it says east west. Um, I'm gonna pull up Google Maps. It's I uh, forget. Milan, there's so many, there's so many things, so many people give us different ones, but I can tell you that when they're repeated, we've we're like, oh, okay, yeah, we've heard that one before. But when you mention ones like you just did, no one it's new. That. No, no one said that. And, well, and Rivervale is definitely one that people should go and play, 100%. Noel Golf. Noel, yeah, that's what it was. Yep, that's what Jack Simon said, yeah. Noel, Noel West, Noel East, yeah. Um, but Rivervale, okay. Well, Ryan, that might have to be another one on our uh, hit list. I, I will say that's the other thing is, like, we've we've gotten a lot of guys from north, but not so much northeast, like, tucked away like you are, where, like, Alpine is, where um, – yeah, I'm you know, very, that, like, yeah, I just I just realized that I am very north of Jersey and it's not. Uh, not very... <laughs> well, no, we've had guys that are super that are north like you, but but like Jack Simon talking about Rockaway, Rockaway is is like north. It's it's like west of Wayne. It's it's really middle of the state there. If you're if you're cutting the northern part in yeah. half, it's really right down the middle. So a lot of our guys have been like north, but they've talked about that like out there. Or they've mentioned the big names like Baltusrol or, or yeah. you know, those names. But yeah, you're kind of like where Alpine is is kind of, kind of tucked closer to, like, like closer to New York than it is. New York and yeah, but on the border. Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, so the that's what I'm saying is like we don't have like, um, 
Rivervale's not a, not a course that's like come up a ton for sure. us. Uh, so Milan, we, we kind of talked about this a little earlier, and from what I gather about you, you're not um, you're not going to have many, but I, I think golfers are rather quirky, kind of by nature, and, and um, whether it's superstitious or anything like that. What are some things that you do do on the course that you're that are superstitious or quirky, or, or that like that you do without without question before entering a competition? I'll give you a couple examples. Could be things like marking your golf balls in a particular yeah, way. Yeah, do you need to have I always, like? I always okay. The four things I do before it's all four. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, I would have uh, thought there's none. Right. Uh, he went from a hard my, thought I, so to I, like, oh, I got four. Yeah, yeah. I mark my balls. I yeah. So I mark my balls. I do the wind. I look at where the wind's going to be. So I make a wind chart. I clean my shoes and I clean my clubs. Those are four things without fail will that will happen the night before the, the the next round or the round upcoming yeah okay what about like leading up to like in between the the range and the first tee like are there certain things that you that you have or need um whether it's like stuff in your pocket or like some guys have said they don't tie their shoes until they get onto the first tee box is there oh, no. anything that's like like a, a playlist that i'll always listen to warming up like i listen to like a certain I listen to certain music uh, like instrumentals and relaxing music while I putt in my in my uh, in my putting warm up and on the range I just listen to like a ULM playlist that I made that's just full of bangers. Okay, <laughs> what's on that playlist? Just a lot. I like. I mean, just rap and hip hop and pop. Okay. Everything like that. I was, I was like, for you to say, like, oh, it's a Britney Spears playlist, and we didn't want oh, to no, put no. you on blast. <laughs> he's listen. If you haven't realized by now, he's smart enough that even if it was like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, and again, no offense to those people, but like, yeah, Backstreet Boys. Are would, good. Yeah, I don't know if he'd admit it. I think he's too smart to say that. Unless, listen. I mean, I listen to it, so I mean, I don't know. But then again, I'm not a really good golfer. Maybe that's my problem. No, but he, he's also very clearly strong in his in his who he is as a person. So he doesn't yeah. care that he. Yeah. I um, like that. That I, yeah, Milan. That's that's really cool. So the last question that we ask, um, and I don't know if you know this, you know, being like a, can I call you a pseudo Jersey guy? Call I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. So in, in New Jersey, we have a big debate over a particular kind of breakfast meat. Uh, what was that? Do you that? have any idea? What Do, we have a debate in New Jersey over what the name of a particular breakfast meat is called. Okay. <laughs> Do uh, you yeah. know? This, this would be interesting. This is going to be you, very I interesting. Think you just, I think you just, just got to give him a multiple choice question here. Okay. That, okay. I, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Do you that. go. You go get a ba- You go get a bagel in the morning, right? You're gonna get a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. Okay. Are you getting a pork roll, egg and cheese, Taylor ham, egg and cheese, or sausage, egg and cheese? Sausage, egg and cheese. Okay. So, do, so in New Jersey, there's a big debate over whether it's called pork roll or Taylor ham. It's called sausage. <laughs> <laughs> so sausage so, like, is see something that, see different. That's a difference. That's yeah. yeah so like, that's, that's like a different that's, breakfast. Yeah, that's a difference. Have you have you never had pork roll? No. 
All right, so listen, we we got to somehow get you one, oh and boy. you'll be a, you think you think you're addicted to Chipotle, you'll really be addicted to this. You'll be like, oh my god, guys, just send me whatever that is, you know. Oh. Um, what is it? Pork roll and ham something? Po- pork roll, po- like P O R, like pig, like pork roll. Next time you go go to a bagel shop, right, and you go get a bagel. I'm assuming that you've gotten bagels before, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you go in there. In North Jersey, it's 99.9% of the time, it's going to be called Taylor Ham. Taylor Ham, okay. Right. So when you go in there, ask for a Taylor Ham egg and cheese on whatever bagel you like. Okay. But what was the other one you said? It's called pork roll. There's it's called, so, so in New so Jersey, the debate roll, they is... Won't, they won't give it to you. No, no they, they in North will. Jersey, they won't, yeah, in North Jersey, it's kind of like, it's called Taylor Ham, but in... Central Jersey and South Jersey, it's called pork roll. So it's always like a little bit of an argument as to what that famous uh, meat is called. Yeah, it kind of sucks that I'm not American, so I can't. I'm not from New Jersey, so I can't. Really yeah, so it. yeah, so we, we, we let you pass on this one because we thought this may be like a unfair question to you. Yeah, but we still wanted to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but when you go to your bagel shop, I want you to order a Taylor ham, egg and cheese on whatever bagel you like. Okay. I'll do that for you. And then, I, and then I want the DM as to what it sound, how good it was. Here's what you're going to do. I just looked up a bagel place for you. You ever heard of Crest Kills Bagel Cafe? Yeah. Right around the corner from Alpine. Yeah, up in there. Go, go there and order a Taylor ham, egg, and cheese. Taylor ham, egg, and cheese. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, okay. I've already, I've already done the homework for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and... And I want to know, you can DM us, I want to know your thoughts on it. If it was terrible, say, Mike, don't ever make a suggestion to me again. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and, if, and if it's good, you're going to say, Mike, give me some more suggestions. Okay. All right? Uh, I shall. I'll do that. Uh, that's that's uh, amazing good. to me. I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me until I was in the middle of asking the question that you had no idea. I thought you were going to go multiple choice. Me? I, no, I didn't. It didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Oh, you're listen. Um, you're you're strict. You're strict. You're strict. It's don't mess with your. That's your question. Don't mess with your yeah. question. Uh, but Milan, listen. I I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know that we had been playing DM tag nonstop for probably two and a half weeks now. But getting you on and 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 talking to you, I, you know, I think. You know, I think it shows that you know why you're capable of playing golf at such a high level because it's not only like the physical capabilities of what you can do, but I think the preparation and the mental side kind of speaks for itself because sure. you do take this very seriously and, and you got a good head on your shoulders. And listen, I, I wish you nothing but success in the, in the next month in the future ahead. So thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, Milan. Thanks for coming on. Good luck the rest of the summer and this season. Thank you so much, guys. Yep. Talk soon, pal. All right. Thank you. Take care. Cheers.